title of this morning's message is called License. And there's a com- there comes a time in all of our driving lives <laughs> that this little thing that you carry around in your pocket, it either expires, you change and you have a different address, or you need a new picture on it. And hey, l- listen, I don't know what it is about license pictures, passport pictures, and mug shots. They all keep, seem to run along the same lines, right? I mean, they're all just bad, and I don't know why it ends up like that, but, but it just seems weird to me. But there comes a time when you have to get this thing, um, because it becomes invalid, you have to get it renewed, made new again. There comes a point in your life as a believer that you need to be renewed. Amen. You need to experience the newness of Christ in your life. And so as we talk about this message called license, a license does not just give you permission, it gives you authority to operate. A license does more than just give you permission. See, it gave you authority to operate. And depending on what license you have, you have different authority to operate different things. You have a certain license or a certain uh, thing on your license if you drive a motorcycle. You have the authority now to legally drive a motorcycle. Me, if you're just normal plain Jane Joel, you just got a normal plain Jane authority to drive a car, right? Some of you have an upgraded license, and you have a license that will enable you to drive a vehicle up to 80,000 pounds called an 18-wheeler, right? You have greater authority in the vehicles you're able to operate, but your authority of operating this great piece of machinery is worthless if this is not renewed, if it is not made new because it expires, because a change of address makes it invalid, or some of you just need an upgraded picture on there. And bless your heart, some of you have figured out this process that I can get my picture from 10 years ago and just upload it to my current state of being today, and I can look 10 years younger on this license than I do today. Hey, if you're over 21, it doesn't really matter, okay? I'm just telling you. Yeah, I can, it's so... I can look 10 years younger, but listen, you're beautiful just the way you are. (laughs) Hey, all the last 10 years, all the experiences that you've had, why would you want to go back to 10 years prior? (laughs) As much as you've learned, as much as you've grown in the Lord, as much as you've uh, committed your life to him, as many changes as you've made and your life's going in a positive direction, why do you want the old picture? Spiritually, I want an upgraded picture, amen. And I would love to have an upgraded picture on a daily basis spiritually, amen. Because I shouldn't look the same today as I did 10 years ago as a believer. Come on now. I should look completely different. And so I went to get my license renewed the other day because we had a change of address. And this one that looks so awesome, amen, (laughs) and it's durable because it's gone through the washing machine more than once, right? And it lasts and it seems like it's good quality, It is absolutely worthless because it's no longer valid. And so as much as this one looks good, they gave me this one. (laughs) And it's a big old piece of paper. And on this big old piece of paper, it's got a black and white picture. It doesn't look much better than the last picture. (laughs) But it's not durable. I need to save this, so Laura, sorry. Laura works at the DPS office, trying to flat it. Yeah, Aaron's the DPS officer. We love all people here. Thank you for coming this morning. Glad you're at TWBC. 
But this one, when you look at it, it looks like a piece of paper. And it wouldn't amount to much where this one looks like it has the more authority with it. The problem is this one, even though it may not look like much and doesn't look like it has a lot of authority, carries more authority than this. Listen, what I'm getting at this morning is you may not feel like much. You may not think you look like much. You may not think you're worth very much. But I promise you're worth a lot more if you're not expired. (laughs) Come on. Than you did 10 years ago when you were expired. Now, I say all that for a reason because I'm about to jump into this morning's message and I wanted to set the stage because I am about to read you the most depressing, the most negative, the most heart-wrenching, the most pitiful story out of the Bible that I think there is. Great inspiration for the week. Good job, Pastor. Y'all are loving life right now. But I want to read this story to you because I believe God has a massive point that he wants to make out of it. It's out of 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 15. And it says, now Eli was 98 years old, and Eli was the high priest at the time. He was 98 years old, and his eyes were set so he could not see, which means he was blind. And the man said, and, and the man said to Eli, I am he who has come from the battle. I fled from the battle today. And he said, how did it go, my son? He who, he who brought the news answered him and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has been also a great defeat among the people. Your two sons are also dead, and the ark of God has been captured. As soon as he mentioned the ark of God was captured, Eli fell over backwards from his seat by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died. For the man was old and heavy, and he had judged Israel for 40 years. Now his daughter-in-law, the wife of one of his sons, was about to give birth. And when she heard the news of the ark of God was captured, and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed and gave birth, for her pains had come upon her. And about the time of her death, the women attending her said to her, Do not be afraid, for you have borne a son. But she did not answer or pay attention. And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel, because the ark of God has been captured, and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory of God has departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been captured. That is a sad, messed up, story. And I read it for this purpose. Out of all the stuff that we just read about, out of all the stuff you may be experiencing today, you see the terrors that go on in the world. You see the political climate of different areas of the world. You see all the darkness that we look at and say is covering the world at this point. We believe in all this crazy stuff that is going on and we see it and we're, and we're in shock and we're in terror by it. But I want to see, just as I read that story, many people today are saying the same thing. The glory of God has departed. But I want to stop for a moment because in the midst of a generation saying the glory of God has departed, they missed what I believe the Spirit is actually doing today giving birth to a whole new generation that will change things. See, when you read the story, everybody read about, oh, how sad, how pitiful, how pathetic this whole thing was. And it was, don't get me wrong, but you can be a part of the expired generation where all you see is the doom and gloom and the negative and the bad and say, the glory of God has departed. Or you can be the generation of new life coming in and and, and don't miss the new generation of birth happening. Come on. And so many people in the church are living expired lives 
And if you're living an expired life here today, you're not operating in authority because you are no, you are no longer valid. If all you see in the world today is everything that is wrong, you need to check the, valid, the, the validity of your identity. If all you see is the problems, is all you, if all you watch is the bad news stories, if all you watch is all the junk going on, whether it be on social media or whether it be on the major networks or the newspapers or the radio, if all you see is all the negative, then you may need to check your identity because you could be expired. Because a lot of us in the church are living life like we're expired, with no hope. Where I see great hope, I see a new generation that's rising up. I see a new generation that's coming in to take the promises of God. I see a new generation being birthed that it doesn't matter what the climate politically looks like or the climate economically looks like or the climate world on a world stage looks like. There's a generation rising up that says, I know a God who's greater than our circumstances here on earth. And he doesn't live by economics. He lives by heavenomics. And he doesn't live by political climates because he is the God of all mankind. And so I see a generation being birthed. That's going to change something. And so if you're going to make something of your life today, and God's going to do something in your heart today, you need to pull out your identity and see if it's expired. Because by your attitudes and by your actions, you can tell if you're expired or not. And many of us, we need to go get a renewed license, a renewed authority, a renewed power to operate in. Because we've missed it because of all the doom and gloom from the past generation. This isn't the first time this has happened. You can look at the history of, history of Israel. You can look at the history of Israel and God said that there was a generation that had to die before this generation could inherit the promises. It was in Israel and they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness and the only people who made it to the promised land of God were Caleb and Joshua and all the rest had to die. I don't know about you. I don't believe God's physically waiting for a generation to die. But I do believe he's spiritually looking for a generation that's being birthed. I don't believe God's looking for a whole generation to die off. But I do believe he's looking for a generation, no matter what your age is today, that is being birthed in the world today that says, my God is still sovereign and great. And he's going to accomplish all that he said he would. And I'm going to be a part of what he's doing because if not, he'll do it without me. And so in this, they did it, and there was a time frame in history called the medieval times. Have you ever heard of those? Where a whole generation for several hundred years were in darkness, and then there was something that happened called the Reformation, the Reformation to take place. So this isn't the first time in history that God's done it. But I do believe this is an extensive time in history where he's wanting to pour out his spirit like we've never seen before. And I don't know about you, but I'm not going to live in the expired generation. I'm going to live in the inspired generation. I'm going to live and be a part of the generation that believes God can. Because when I study the nation of Israel, he was waiting for a whole generation to die off. And here was the problem. This generation didn't inherit the promises because of fear. This generation saw the inspiration and the promise of the promised land and went in by faith. So I want to be a part of the generation that sees the promises of God and is hungry enough to go get it no matter what the cost, not a part of the generation that saw the promises of God and thought it was too big for me to handle. Yeah. Hmm, come on now. 
I don't want to be a part of the generation that thinks the things of God are too big for me to handle today, so I'm going to put them off on my kids' generation. I'm not going to give my kids the responsibility of what I'm supposed to accomplish. (laughs) Come on, somebody, get with me. I'm not going to put the anointing on my kids that I'm supposed to walk in. I'm supposed to walk in such an anointing that sets them up for a foundation that they can go above and beyond and do what I couldn't have been able to do in their day and age. But if we're going to see that happen, we cannot be a part of the expired generation. We must be a part of the inspired generation that walks into the promises of God because we're hungry enough to go get them. And we're hungry enough to take them. So this morning, what are you seeing when you look at a world perspective? Are you seeing the uprisings across the world or are you seeing the millions that are coming to Christ on a daily basis? 50,000 new believers come to Christ every single day. 50,000 new believers get baptized every single day. How many of you heard that lately in church? How many of you heard that 50,000 new believers get baptized every single day? That's going to cause a need for 1,000 new churches in the next year and and, and about 5,000 in the next five years just to pastor that 50,000 that got saved today, not, not including the who wants getting saved tomorrow. Can I tell you there's a new generation coming up and birthing? Come on now. Give God a hand clap of praise on that. But oh, we're worried about November. I'm excited about a next generation. I'm excited about what God is birthing. And I want to ask you a question. Are you expired or are you inspired? Because God's looking to birth something. Also, on your license, I said another reason for a a license being not valid is this. Is that there's a change of address that takes place. Now, me and my wife, we recently, I had to get my license renewed because of a change of address that took place. We don't live in the same location that we used to. And when I look at the spiritual location of the church, I get very puzzled many times. Because the spiritual location of the church seems to have moved or shifted from hope to hopeless. And as I look at the church in the world that we live in today, I see a church, I see a lot of people walking around with the spirit of hopeless, and it makes me wonder, how did they get from the address of hope to the new location of hopeless in their life? And if we go from this new location of, uh, uh, to hope of hopelessness in our life, what are we going to be able to produce in the world that would cause great effect And I'll phrase it like this. A lot of people say, well, Joel, we just need more faith in the church. I'll argue with you on that all day long. We just need more faith in the church. We need more faith. And and I'm puzzled at that question because if you think faith is the issue, the Bible says in, in, in 1 or 2 Timothy that faith worketh by love. So if there's a faith issue, then there's a love issue that's preceding it. And also it says in Hebrews 11, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. And the Bible says in these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And so if there's an issue with our faith, there must be an issue at some point with our hope. Because I've realized this, those people in the world who are full of hope usually are full of joy and are also full of faith. And I see a group of people in the world that are hopeless and there is no joy and there is no faith. It is all doom and gloom. And so my question is, where has the hope of the church gone? The Bible says this, hope in Christ in me is the hope of glory. 
And so if we are the hope of the world, are we producing it at a rate that the world is being transformed because we are full of this spiritual gift, our spiritual address of hope? And in this, if our hope is here, then our faith then gets to rise to our expectancy level of hope. Come on. See, I'm not hoping for you just to get something today. I'm hoping for your life to be changed today. And so my hope is rising up to this level, so my faith then has the ability to match it or attain it. See, your faith can be here, but your hope is here. Your faith can only match the level of hope that you have. And so we must rise this thing to have a great level of hope again. And there's a twisted, perverted thing going on in the church today. And it's this. The church has turned to the tragedies of the world to try to produce encouragement. I'll say it again. The church has turned to the tragedies of the world to try to produce encouragement. And what I mean by that is this. Have you ever heard of all the junk going on in the world today and then a Christian pops up and says, well, praise God, you know, that means Jesus is coming back soon. If that is the only hope that we have in this world, we are already sunk and lost and we need to abandon the church in multitude fashion. If the only hope that we have is Jesus is coming back one day, then we don't have any hope at all. And we have looked to in tragedies and crises for encouragement. We look at the current uh, situations going on around the world with, with certain groups of uprisings taking place and the beheadings of Christians happening in mass record. And the church celebrates tragedy as an encouragement of saying, well, you know, the Bible said there would be times like this. I know the Bible said there would be times like this, but my hope is not in times like this. My hope is in Jesus Christ, who is the hope of glory. And the Bible also says this about the church. The Bible says, you are the church, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against you, the church. So if I'm going to get hope, I'm going to get hope in something out of that. And the Bible goes on to say, I'm coming back for a church without spot, without, without wrinkle, without blemish, and I'm going to call her my bride. And that gives Joel great hope because I may not be there yet, but if he's coming back for it, I got some time to get there quickly. Come on now. And so in this... We no longer can find hope in tragedy as a church and as believers. If tragedies are the production of our hope, then it's really not hope at all. It's a deceived kind of hope, and it's a fear-based hope that we're just trying to paint a rosy picture over something that we know as the church we should have stood up again and walked in anointing in and walked in a power in that changes that circumstance altogether. Come on now. And I will not throw that responsibility on the next generation. We're birthing that generation. We're going to be the church that does this thing. And we will produce hope in the world that we're in. And so, how has the church gone from what Jesus said we are, the light of the world, a city set on a hill that can't be hidden, what Jesus said we are, an entity that I'm instruct, uh, uh, constructing that the gates of hell cannot uh, 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 stand against. How can we go from those two statements that he made about us as the church to being expired and missing the birth of a new generation, and from moving from a place of hope to such hopelessness where we look for joy in the midst of tragedy. How far has, have we moved from our original address? Some of you, it's time that you go back home and find hope once again. 
Hope is such a pivotal and powerful force that everything, I believe everything is contingent on it. When you've lost all hope for your marriage, that's when, your marriage, that's when you file for divorce. When there is no more hope. When you've lost all hope that your career will ever be different, then you get a different career. But it's not until you've lost all hope because as long as there's a morsel of hope, your faith has something to cling to. It's when you've lost all hope. A, a very destructive analogy of this is, is the one I'm about to give. And when somebody is kidnapped, okay, I've done way too much research on stuff, okay? When, when somebody is kidnapped, the only reason they choose to keep living is because there's a hope of going back home to their family once again. And so in the manipulative mind of the kidnappers, they always feed them along with just enough hope to think that there's a day that they're going home so they don't die. Because once they die, then they've got to figure something else out. And that's what the devil has done to many of us in the church. He's deceived us so much, he keeps giving us this false hope in the midst of tragedy to keep us pressing forward when we need to completely do a 180 degree turn and look to Jesus Christ once again, the hope of glory, the one who founded it, the one who says, I'm coming back for a church that produces it. And with your hope, then you can attach your faith to something that's amazing and we can see a difference in the world today. Amen. Amen. So I pray that you are inspired with hope this morning and watch what God can do. Now there's an amazing picture that God paints in Isaiah. There's an amazing picture that God paints in Isaiah. And when you get a, 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 a license that's like mine, that you had to get something changed, they always take a new photo, right? And so you can smile. Passports, you don't smile. Mug shots, I don't know, never had one. So, yeah, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, amen. And so you always get a new picture. God paints an amazing picture in the book of Isaiah, chapter number 60. In the book of Isaiah, chapter number 60, God's not taking a new picture. He's actually showing the picture of what he's always seen. And he's saying, Joel, this is a picture of the church that I've always seen. Match it. Match it. Move, shift your life in such a way that you begin to resemble this scripture in Isaiah, chapter number 60. And as you move and begin to shift into this scripture in Isaiah chapter number 80, I want to start in verse 2 because this is the verse that so many people always quote me about how bad times are in the world that we live in today. And so Isaiah chapter 60 verse 2 says this, For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness over all the people. I get quoted that all the time. And it's two lines out of this chapter that people have pulled and said, see, Joel, great darkness will cover all the earth and all the people. And, I, and so far, people have gone on to say this. You know, there, there's, there, there's sometimes there's a closed heaven over certain areas of the world. And now spiritually, in the spiritual realm, geographically, that is true. There are a closed heaven over certain portions, but there is never a closed heaven over a believer. Do you see the answer to a closed heaven over a geographic area? You put a believer there, and now it no longer can stay a closed heaven over that area because a believer has now opened up the heavens of God over a geographic area. Come on now. Thank you, Jesus. And so when people bring this scripture to me, oh, Joel, this is just what the prophet Isaiah said. Great darkness is going to cover the land. But have you read the passage? But 
I love it when you always read something horrible like this. There's always uh, this. If you continue reading in verse 2, it says, For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness over all the peoples. But the Lord. I just need an organ or something back there, you know. (laughs) But the Lord. And you can just stop right there. Because when God steps in and says, There's darkness over the earth, but the Lord. Something changes. But the Lord will rise on you. (laughs) Now, now, now. You got to get this. This gets me so excited. I lost it in first service. So I'm going to come down here. Listen to this. It doesn't say his spirit. It doesn't say his anointing. It doesn't say his glory. It says, but the Lord himself will rise on you. Woo, come on now. See, I don't want God's things as much as I want him. God, don't supply all my needs financially uh, if you're not going to be there at the end of the finances. (laughs) All right? I I don't want his anointing if I don't have him. And this, spirit, this passage is so encouraging to every believer because it says, Joel, in the midst of the greatest darkness that the world has ever known, I'm not sending something. I'm coming myself. I'm rising on you. And it doesn't just say it. It says, but the Lord's going to step in. <laughs> come on now. And I'm going to come to your rescue. And I'm going to rise upon you. Woo. If that doesn't get you excited, man, I need to lay hands on you and pray for you. <laughs> Come on. And I'm praying you leave excited this morning because in the midst of the darkest hours that many of us have ever seen in our lifetime on this earth, God says, but me. And I love it when he, God steps in and says, but God. My life was lost, but Jesus stepped in. I was horrible, but Jesus. It's great darkness, but the Lord. My life was at a, at a catastrophic point, but God stepped in. Moses was at the Red Sea, but God. Joshua was at the Jordan, but God. Come on now. We're in the midst of crazy days, but the Lord. Come on. And God's going to do something amazing. And so he says, but the Lord will rise upon you. Man, somebody needs to get ready to receive something. Because he's going to rise upon you, and he's going to rest on you, and he's going to make his dwelling in you, and you're going to be different, and people are going to look at you different, and that's okay because you're supposed to be the light of the world. People, you you know what happens when people come out of darkness and they walk into a bright room? Right? I go to wake my kids up every morning for school and I flip the closet light. I'm not meaning to hit the big light in the room. I hit the closet light and they still go. So when you walk into a room and people go, what you worried about? You're supposed to be the light. They're supposed to look at you different. You're supposed to be that person. It says, but the Lord will rise on you, and his glory or image will be seen upon you. And so all these people quoting the first two lines of that verse didn't quote me the last two lines of that verse. But great darkness is going to cover the land. But you can say, but the Lord said he's going to rise upon me. But the Lord said his glory is going to be seen on me, and everybody's going to see it. Start answering the doom and gloom folks like that. (laughs) It'll be a short conversation. Because I'm a part of the generation that's being birthed with great hope of who God is and what he said he's going to do and his promises manifesting, not of the expired generation of the past. And so i got to finish this passage because there's some amazing stuff in it, and I'm already late, so I should have been done. It says, but the Lord will rise on you, and his glory or image will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Come on now. Nations, did you hear that? Nations are going to come to the church. 
And now, now listen, I, I said this in first service and I'm not repenting of it now and I'm not going to hold back on second service either. That there's a day coming when people will come to this church from different nations because they've heard about what God is doing here. They've heard about it. And so nations will come to you. And that even goes as far as say as kings. So I'm saying, Lord, expand my faith. <laughs> that kings, when they need advice, they ask people from TWBC. Not necessarily me, that's, that's you. <laughs> Some of you have such a great business mind that kings are going to see the light of God on you and ask you for business advice. Come on, I, I, hey, I'm not holding back. If you don't like it, you can sit back and just watch it. You can watch it because it's going to happen. And listen, uh, people always say, well, if you do what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always People are saying in the world today that, that why isn't the church doing anything? Why isn't the church accomplishing anything? Why is the church powerless? And the minute we go to change something to receive the power, you're like, why do we change something? What, 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 what you want? Are you kidding me? So if you don't like it, sit back and watch it because it's going to happen. It's God is going to move in this place so substantially that he's going to pour his spirit out. And listen, I'm praying, I'm praying that you're here to watch it and I'm praying that it overflows on you. And I don't mean that ugly. I pray that the overflow of God's goodness would bless even the unbelievers' lives. Even the naysayers' lives. Because I don't want negative for people who don't want to see this. I want them to get the overflow so they can get inspired by it and get, it, by it and get in on it. Because I love all people. <laughs> and it's amazing to see what happens when that begins to take place. And so it goes on to say, lift up your eyes or open your eyes and look around and see. All, they all together together, they come to you. Now, I like these next two parts of this verse because at the beginning I read the most depressing passage in all of Scripture. I think now I'm reading the most inspiring passage in all of Scripture that it says at the birthing of this generation, nobody noticed and there was a forgotten generation is what that spiritually was symbolizing as I read that. There was a forgotten generation that says the glory of God will never even see it basically because she called him Ichabod. Listen to this. The, to the forgotten generation out there, to the forgotten person out there, it says this, lift up your eyes, open your eyes and look all around and see. They gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Every time I read that, I almost begin to cry. And here's why. Because of, to the forgotten generation out there, to the generation out there that says we're expired, the church is past, and everybody's passed you by, and the world seems like they've forgotten about you, and you're standing strong where you're at. Listen, you got people coming from afar. You got people coming to you. You got people carrying daughters on their hips. They're going to come. And so God hasn't forgotten about you. He's lining up people like you all around the world because he's birthing a whole generation, and there's going to be a gathering one day. It just said, they all gather together. Come on. They come to you. And then, here, here's my favorite part. We all like this last part. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your hearts shall thrill and exult, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you, and the wealth of nations shall come to you. Now, I'm going to close it down with this. All that's great, but we missed three important words out of that whole phrase. Mitch, y'all go ahead and come on up. Anybody who's ministering at the altar, y'all go ahead and start praying. We miss three words in that phrase. It says, you shall see and be. Do you see that? It says, verse 5, then you shall, three words, see and be. Now, this isn't the alphabet backwards, okay? It's not see and be. It's you shall see it, but you're not just going to see it. You're going to be it. 
God wants you a part of this thing. He doesn't want you watching from the outside. He's looking at you, Brittany, and saying, I don't want you to just see it. I want to come and do it with you, and I want to do it through you, and I want you to be it with me. And the church is silent when we should be celebrating. Because God does not want to do this alone. That's why he didn't say, I'm rising. He said, I'm rising on you. And he said, I want you to not just see it, but Megan, I want you to be it with your baby girls too. He wants you to not just witness his power. He wants you to be it and display his power.